Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. City Church, uh, my name is John. My middle name is Evan. Not quite a J, but you know, we can forgive my parents. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. My wife, Erin, and I, uh, we live on the north side of Chicago in the Avondale neighborhood. Shout out Avondale, Old Irving. Uh, If you're worshiping online, I would love for you to shout out your neighborhood in the chat. What neighborhood are you worshiping with us from? Or, you know, what city or what country are you watching from? I know we have folks who are tuning in from all over, and I'm really glad that you decided to carve out a little bit of time this morning to worship, to learn, and I hope to meet with God in a really meaningful way this morning. This past Wednesday marked the inauguration of President Biden, and I don't know if you tuned in, several of us who were here in the office that day, we tuned in, and it was a who's who of politics and pop culture, was it not? I mean, who wasn't there? Uh, Many presidents past were there. J-Lo was there. Uh, Lady Gaga showed up looking like she was starring in the latest Hunger Games movie. The Mockingjay is alive and well. But uh, out of all the familiar faces in the crowd, one unfamiliar face, at least to me, absolutely stole the show. You may remember Amanda Gorman, yes, or the poet in the yellow coat. There she is. Uh, Amanda Gorman, if you don't know who she is, she is the first person to be named National Youth Poet Laureate. She's 22 years old, which just makes me feel all kind of terrible, right? And makes me all the more impressed with her. Uh, She is the youngest inaugural poet in our nation's history. Uh, Her poem, The Hill We Climb, became the talk of social media this past week. The only thing I saw more were memes of Bernie Sanders wearing his mittens, right? (laughs) Gosh, God bless him. God bless him. But Gorman's words on Wednesday, they were artistic, prophetic, and powerful. And there was one quote specifically that that really stuck out to me, and I've returned to it several times this week. She said, we are far from polished, far from pristine, but that doesn't mean we are striving to form a union that is perfect. We are striving to forge our union with purpose. To compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, characters, and conditions of man. And so we lift our gaze not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. I hope you are throwing all kinds of amens in the chat right now, because that is good. I think regardless of your political leanings, regardless of who you may have voted for last November, or your feelings about the old administration or the new, regardless of any of that, I think Gorman's words express a truth that we all need to reckon with. And that truth is this, we have work to do, right? Like we all have work to do. We've heard it time and time again over the last year that our country has work to do. And Gorman spoke to that so beautifully. Listen, the church definitely has some work to do, I'd say. Yeah, and, and here at Soul City, we want to be the kind of church that leads the way in the right, good, transforming work of God in the world. But today, what I want to talk about specifically is the work that you do, the work that I do. And not just the work that we find ourselves doing in a job or in our family or community, but I want to talk about the work we were formed to do. 
the work that each of us, that all of us are created and called by God to do in the world. Today, as Jeannie mentioned, we're wrapping up this on-purpose series by talking about work. And as much as I believe, and maybe you believe as well, that work, it should be meaningful. It should be profound. That, that our work, it should make a difference in the world. As much as we might believe that, the reality for most of us is maybe a little bit more complex right now. For many of us, 2020 completely changed our relationship with work, did it not? In fact, I would argue that there is no single person whose work was not affected in some way by the COVID-19 pandemic, right? Maybe you, this past year, maybe you lost work. Maybe, maybe you even lost work multiple times. And I can only imagine how hard that must be. And you might be hearing me speak and you're thinking, John, you know, I'm not really concerned with God's work right now. I'm just trying to find any work, yeah? Or maybe it's just the opposite, right? Maybe the amount of work you have had to put in this past year has turned up tenfold because of the pandemic. You're having to work hours and in conditions that you never dreamed of because you're a doctor or you're a teacher or you're a stay-at-home parent or you've had to become all three during COVID. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, John, I don't really have time to think about God's work because I just have so much of my own work. Or it might just be the reality that work has changed for you in the last year. Maybe a year ago today you had a job that you really loved, but when things moved remote or when your business pivoted, things just started to change for you. And while you're really, really grateful to still be employed, to still have a job, you're starting to question what the purpose is. You're starting to question whether you really love it anymore. You know, my generation, the millennial generation, they love to talk about doing work that matters. And I love that. We talk about finding your passion, finding your calling. But what do you do when your work, or lack of work, doesn't really feel like that? Doesn't feel like a passion or a calling? How do we find or even rediscover purpose or meaning in the work that we do, both in our jobs and outside of it? And how can our work actually become a part of the greater work that God is doing in the world? That's what I want to talk about today. So if you have a Bible, if you're here and you brought a Bible, you have a phone, I want you to open it up to Genesis chapter 1. That's page one, should be very easy for you to find, even if you are brand new to the Bible. Now, a little lesson here before we actually dive into the lesson. Uh, I have this mantra that I like to use uh, when studying the scriptures. And if you've ever heard me teach before, you may have heard me use this mantra. It goes like this. It all goes back to Genesis. So I want you to type that into the chat, and I want everyone in the room just to say that with me so we get it in our heads. Ready? It all goes back to to Genesis. Now, here's why I use that mantra, because I believe that pretty much anywhere you find yourself reading in the Bible, you can make some tie or find some connection back to Genesis chapters 1 through 3. Because in the opening pages of the book of Genesis, what we see is God laying the foundations of the world, of the universe, and laying the foundations for the rest of the story. Page one of the Bible begins with God creating light and sky and land and sea. 
He, he creates trees and flowers and animals and suns and stars. God creates this incredibly beautiful world. And God is in charge of all of it. And then we get to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and we read about the creation of human beings. It says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Again, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. So, we're going to come back to this text, but I want to hop into the conversation that you were having earlier. Earlier, I asked you all to talk about the best boss you ever had. And you know, for me, the answer to that question is very, very obvious. When I think about the best boss I've ever had, I think about a man with uh, an entrepreneurial spirit. He helped to start his own company, actually. Uh, I think about a man who is a fantastic leader, a fantastic communicator. I think about a man with a, a great sense of humor and a great sense of fashion. Uh, obviously, those of you in the room know that I am talking about Monty, the guy who managed the restaurant I worked at post-college. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, did you think I was talking about someone else? No, Monty's, Monty's a G. I loved Monty. I loved him. He's great. Um, but, you know, if, if I'm being totally honest, Jared, don't leave, don't leave. I got something for you later. He tried to walk out of church early, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, if I'm being totally honest with you, what I really wanted to ask was who's the worst boss you ever had? Now, you don't have to type their name in the chat. We're not trying to troll them during church here. That's not what we're about. But I just want you to maybe think about that person for a second. Many of us know what it's like to work for a bad boss. And for me, I think one thing that makes for a bad boss, maybe even more than anything else, is it really feels like you're working for that person. You know what I mean? Like, they take every opportunity they have to remind you that they are the boss and you are the employee, right? You work for them. You work for their bottom line, for their goals, for their purposes and approval. Maybe you even currently work for a boss like that. To be very clear, I do not. I have great bosses. I love them very much. I just wanted to say that since they're in the room. <laughs> but I think what can happen to us is that we carry this idea of working for into our spiritual lives as well. Maybe you even grew up or currently hold this narrative that God is like a bad boss and that the purpose of a relationship with God is for you to just work for him. In fact, this is actually what religion teaches. Religion teaches that God says, work for me. That, that we as humans, we're meant to work for God. We maybe work for his approval, or we work for his blessings. And if we work hard enough, God will bless us. We work for his love. We do it by going to church, by giving to the church, and just overall maybe being nice to people. And if your performance isn't good enough, 
It, right? If your behavior or if your work isn't good enough, then God will be disappointed in you. Or he'll fire you. He won't love you anymore. And while I certainly have carried that narrative in the past, I have also come to see, and I want to call out, how wrong that is. See, God is not some moody, self-obsessed CEO. And we are not meant to just run around like God's little minions. I have actually come to see that from page one of the Bible, God actually paints a completely different picture of who we are and the work that we're created to do. So do a favor, do me a favor, go back to Genesis 1 with me real quick. You remember when we said that on page one of the Bible, it describes God creating and forming the universe, right? And God being in charge, God ruling over all of it. Yes, we remember this? Okay, so you can think of it this way. In Genesis 1, God's work is to create and to rule. Now, look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 again. It says, God blessed them, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Another way you might say that is what? Create, right? Be fruitful, create things, multiply. And then God says what? You know, you can throw this in the chat. What is the next word? Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. So let's review, yes? God's work in Genesis 1 create and rule. And when God creates humans, what work does he give them to do? Create and rule. In other words, while we might think that God says to humans, work for me, from page one of the Bible, from the very beginning, God's word to humanity is actually work with me. Yeah? See, God calls humans to partner with him, as Pastor Jeannie has said to us as a staff, to co-create with him in doing the work that, by the way, God is already doing in the world. You see, the work of humanity is to create with God, to give birth to, to more goodness and beauty and grace and artistry in the world. And our work, and this might sound a little strange, is to rule with God. And I don't mean rule like some corrupt leader. No, no, no. To rule like a good, humble servant leader. Like God rules in Genesis 1. Like Jesus ruled when he came down to this earth. To rule by bringing order out of the chaos of this world. Bringing flourishing out of floundering. To bring opportunity out of people's obscurity. To bring light out of darkness. And listen, whatever your job is or your lack of job... Whatever your career or your questions, whatever your work, this is your work. Good work works with God. That's just true. Good work, the work that we are called and created to do, it partners with God to create, to bring about goodness and beauty, and to rule, to bring order, to care for others. Good work works with God. This is our calling. This is our purpose. Now, I want to highlight a couple of implications of this for you in your life today. First, I want you to notice something. You don't really have to have a job to do this work, do you? Now, I want to be clear. 
I am not at all trying to minimize the importance of having a job or the difficulty of it in our current world. I am sensitive to everyone watching who is facing unemployment right now. And I am praying, our church is praying that God would provide you with the right, good job. That is important. But I also want you to listen to this. Just because you're out of work doesn't mean you're out of work. You understand? You see, the work that God has created and called us to do, it is actually not dependent on a paycheck. So as you look for a job for you and your family, I also pray that you would begin to lean into the work of God wherever you are, whatever your employment situation might be. Now, secondly, if God, if his call to humans is for us to work with him, then that means whatever your work, you aren't working alone, are you? So that means for the elementary school teacher who's watching today, who, who has been spending twice the amount of time lesson planning and completely having to reimagine how to teach these six-year-olds, I want you to hear me. You're not teaching those students alone. To the restaurant owner, who's having to juggle a million things, trying to keep everyone employed, trying to keep the doors open, also trying to keep everyone safe, you are not alone. God is working with you. God is here to give you the wisdom that you need to walk through this. For the single parent who's watching, listen, you work so hard to raise those kids, to raise that kid by yourself, but you don't have to raise them alone. Our God is an empowering God. He is working with you to raise that child up, as Proverbs says, in the way they should go. The final implication of this I want to highlight, if good work works with God, then that means whatever your work, it is spiritual work. Now, are there certain types of work that God doesn't work with? I believe so. Work that exploits others, specifically the vulnerable, Work that diminishes or devalues human life, that is not good work. That is not work that God works with. In fact, that is work that works against the work of God in the world. But for those of us who are doing good work, you are doing spiritual work. You don't have to do what I do. You, you don't have to work in a church in order to do this. In fact, this past year, I have thought so much about the spiritual work of postal workers. The postal workers who are delivering packages and delivering envelopes, who for many of us, that is the only physical connection we will have with another human being for a while. You are pulling us out of our isolation and into connection. That is deeply spiritual, deeply purposeful work. I think about the medical professionals, from the receptionist to the surgeon. Listen, you are bringing about physical healing, but that is very, very spiritual work. You are making people whole again. And so listen, whatever it is, whatever the work you have or, or whatever lack of work you're facing right now, please know you're not facing that work alone. God is partnering with you. He's empowering you in the very spiritual work that you do. Good work works with God. And for those of you who maybe aren't words people or you're not a big fan of our catchy phrases here, I, I want to actually give you a visual image of what this looks like. Okay, uh, where's Tim? Is Tim here? 
Tim Kim, come on up, Tim. Let's, everyone here, give Tim Kim a round of applause. Tim's going to come up. Uh, Tim's our drummer. Um, Tim also is our, our receptionist here and does a million and a half other things for our church. Everyone who's sitting in this room knows that Tim Kim, Tim is a hard worker, is he not? Tim does good. Come here, Tim. Don't be shy. Come here. Okay. So, Tim, we all know you're a hard worker, and we love that about you. And that's why I chose you for this little ditty here, because we have some hard work for you to do. Ladies, can you, can you please bring this out? Here it comes. It takes three of them to move it. Yes. Okay, I want to be clear of what's going on here. Um, these are sandbags in here, okay? This is not that type of church, okay? These are sandbags. There is nothing living or that was once living in this bag. Okay, good, good. All right, so Tim, here's, what, here's your task. Here's your work. I want you to take this bag, this very heavy bag, and I want you to just drag it back and forth across this stage as many times as you can until I say stop. Okay? Are you ready? Go. Okay. So, this, this is what religion teaches us, right? That we work for God. We work for God. We've been talking about this. We work for His love. We work for his attention. We work for his devotion, right? And, and maybe this, this is how you think about your life with God, yeah? Maybe this is what your life feels like right now. Your work, that you're, you're just at it all by yourself. And you're desperate for some help. And here's the thing. Oftentimes, we get tempted to think that while we're working, God is just like this. That God's just sitting up on his throne, right? That he's totally disinterested in the work that you do, you know, just making sure that you do his bidding, his will, whatever it is. Or we think that God is like this. Keep going. Right? That God's watching us so closely. He's just waiting for you to mess up. He's just waiting for you to make a mistake to fall short or to prove that you're not good enough or, or that you're not actually the person that you said you were or that you thought you were. Th this is how often we think about relating to God. But again, what do we just learn? We learn that from page one of the Bible, from page one of the story, our God is not a God who says, work for me, but our God is a God who says, come on, Tim, let's go, work with me, yeah? Let's go. Work with me. Keep going, Tim. Because here's the thing. I didn't leave you to do this work by yourself. But I actually gave you the Holy Spirit who is meant to empower you. Who's meant to give you skills and gifts and abilities far beyond what you ever thought you could do. Because you're not doing this work by yourself. I am a God who works with you. Now, Tim, hold on. Stop, stop, stop. Tim. There's a third part of this that I didn't talk about earlier. Tim, how are you feeling right now? Exhausted. You're exhausted, right? You're a little tired. Well, here's the third part. Our God is not a God who says, work for me. Our God is a God who says, work with me. 
But in Jesus, we have a God who says, when you're exhausted, Tim, when you're too tired, and when you fail, in Jesus, we have a God that says, sit right here. In Jesus, we have a God that says, I'll work for you. Yeah? I will work for you. This is about so much more than a job. This is about the work that we have been called and created to do. And this is about the work that Christ has done for you on your behalf. You know, this past week, uh, it was one of those weeks in my job where everything that has sort of been up in the air for a while all seemed to drop at once. Uh, there was just a bunch of projects that we've been brainstorming for this next series that we're about to walk into, and all of a sudden, it was time to execute on all of them at the same time, you know? And, and so this past week, uh, I was working 12, sometimes 14, even 16 hours a day at the church. And I want to be clear, I am not saying that as like a weird God flex, okay? I am actually trying really hard to grow in setting healthy boundaries with my work and making more time for a rest. But this past week just happened to be one of those weeks where I had a lot of work that I was carrying, that I was dragging. And you know, in the past, that amount of work, I'll be honest, that schedule, in the past, that could have wrecked me. Because in the past, I have placed so much of my personal identity in the work that I do. And so, like Tim, I would not have been humble enough to say I was exhausted. I would have just kept going and pretended that everything was okay, pretended I wasn't tired, pretended that I didn't need any help because that would have been a value judgment on me. You know, in the past, I might have looked at all the work that I was doing and become prideful. Prideful that, oh, I'm doing more than anyone else is doing for this church, which isn't true. And that pride likely would have led to resentment that no one was there to help me out. In the past, I might have felt all this pressure that this work, this, this giant thing was just mine alone to do. But this week, I, I don't know, maybe it was just knowing I had this teaching coming up, I just kept that phrase running on a loop in my head. That good work works with God. I just kept that image of pulling this heavy weight and remembering that I'm not pulling it alone. But there's a God who's working with me, who's empowering me, who has called me to partner with him in doing his work in the world. And so this week, I want to challenge you to do two things, two bits of homework. One, I want you to continue in this conversation. Listen, my goal with this message, it was not to get you to quit your job tomorrow and become a pastor or a missionary, okay? That's not my goal. My goal was to get you to begin to connect your work life with your spiritual life. And that's a process, okay? That is a journey. And so I want to invite you to subscribe and listen to the Transformation Podcast. This is a new podcast, a new project from Soul City that comes out every single Wednesday where we do a deeper dive into what we're talking about here on Sundays. Again, work, it is a huge part of our lives. It's what most of us spend the majority of our waking hours doing. 
And so inviting God to transform the way that we view and do our work, that takes time, yeah? And so this Wednesday, we're dropping a brand new episode of the Transformation Podcast where we're doing a longer, deeper conversation about the good spiritual work that God calls us to do individually and how and where we find that. So again, you can head over to our church refresh page or you can search the Transformation Podcast, Soul City Church, wherever you get your podcasts. Second piece of homework. Whatever the work you do, I want to challenge you to begin to invite God to show you how that work is spiritual work. This week, as you're going about your job or you're in a Zoom meeting or you're watching the kids or looking for a new job, just begin to open up your mind. Open up your eyes to opportunities for you to do good work that works with God. That works with the God who, rather than asking you to work for him, actually steps in and works with you. And the God who, even when you fail in your work, even when you fall short, even when maybe you don't feel like you're strong enough to carry it, in Jesus we have a God who steps in, who works, who serves, who lives, and who dies for you. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you are not the type of God who just sits disinterested on your heavenly throne. Thank you that you are not the type of God who just follows us around waiting for us to mess up so you can punish us. But thank you that you are a generous God who from the very beginning of creation invited us to work with you, invited us to be a part of the amazing work that you're doing in the world of building and bringing your kingdom, your goodness, your truth here on earth. And I pray, God, whatever our work is, whatever our job description is, whatever our title or lack of title is, I pray that we would go all in on that work this week. Because the church has work to do, as we said, and we're doing that work. The church as an institution has work to do, and the church as people have work to do. And a lot of that does not take place within these four walls, especially today, God. So I pray that your spirit would empower the people of Soul City this week to work with you, that you would lead us, spirit, that you would partner with us in doing good and beautiful work in the world. Open up our ears, open up our eyes, open up our hearts to wherever you call us and whatever you call us to. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen.